You're listening to the Winning to Wealth podcast, and this week we're talking about getting comfortable making uncomfortable decisions. You're listening to the Winning to Wealth podcast, where you'll hear real stories from real people who are on the path to building real wealth. These stories will show you how to earn more money, pay off debt, start investing, and make better money choices so you can build wealth for your future. Now, here's your host, Michael Lacey. What's up, what's up, what's up, teammates? This is episode 46 of the Winning to Wealth podcast. And on this week's episode, I'm going to be talking about the benefits of making really difficult choices. So... Back in 2012, I received an opportunity that would advance my career. The only thing was the opportunity that we're talking about was in Las Vegas. Now, let me back up because the year before that, I had actually moved from Houston back to East Texas, which is where I'm originally from. And that in itself was a hard decision. It was hard because... At the time, Taylor and I were dating and things were pretty serious, but nonetheless, I made the move to put myself in the better position to build a better life. So fast forward a year into that, and I'm being presented with an opportunity that I honestly couldn't have imagined when I moved almost three hours away from home the year before. The difference between the two choices was that when I moved to East Texas, I was actually moving closer to my hometown. Like I had friends and family that I could connect with. And there was just some overall familiarity. Like I knew the area really well. I knew places to eat. I knew where to get haircuts. I knew all of that. But moving to Vegas, that was a totally different ballgame. I had never even been to Vegas. I didn't know anybody there. And so it was an uncomfortable choice But I made it, and it turns out that moving to Las Vegas was one of the best choices I've made for my career and really for myself because I learned so much about myself and perseverance through challenges and all of that kind of stuff during that move. Now, I did end up getting a promotion to run a branch right here in Houston within a year. And then the work that I did at that branch really started this domino effect that landed me a huge opportunity with a global leader and that practically doubled my salary. Now, I'm not saying that you need to move across the country a few times for things to work out for you, but I am saying there's value in getting comfortable making uncomfortable choices. And today's guest is no stranger to uncomfortable choices. Ashley Brewster is the creator and founder of Impact Financial. She also finished paying off $19,000 worth of student loan debt in only 13 months. Ashley, I am super excited to talk to you today. So welcome to the Winning to Wealth podcast. Yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity. I love what you're doing. Um, I think I've told you before uh, offline um, how impressed I am with your story, you and your wife. It's really inspirational and um, good encouragement to everybody who has different stories and without judgment. Absolutely. And I, I appreciate you saying that. Um, so, But I do want to go back in into your story kind of at the beginning. And I want to ask you to just kind of talk a little bit about how 
money was handled when you were a kid in your household? Yeah, so um, money wasn't really talked about in my household. It was more of a, you know, we're the parents, you're the child. I'm, I'm the only child. So, um, you know, we, we're handling all the, the funds and we're paying the bills on time. That's all you need to know. You have a place to, to sleep. You know, you have a good education and you <laughs> and you don't have to worry about going hungry. Um, so it wasn't until after I became an adult where we started talking a little bit more about personal finance. So how, what kind of impact do you think that had on like the, the habits and things that you developed, uh, you know, maybe in early adulthood, your college years, or maybe even high school, if you worked in high school, like how did, how did just not having those money conversations really influence uh, your spending patterns and habits? It really impacted me because, um, not necessarily. I, my, my parents were really hard workers. They had really good jobs. Um, like I said, nothing. I, I didn't want for anything. Um, but we didn't talk about like building wealth. And uh, I got my first job when I was 13 years old. And I calculated how much I could have saved had I known just a little bit, you know, maybe about, you know, a custodial Roth or custodial brokerage account, you know, things like that. Um, I could have invested even $50 a month, you know, how much more money I would have today had I done that. And, um, but on the other end, I'm grateful that they did have good spending habits uh, where they may not have saved a whole lot of their money, but they were saving something and um, not living paycheck to paycheck. So I did learn those things, you know, bills, and have a little something saved just in case. So they, they always had an emergency fund. Uh, so that that's something that I was taught. But as far as building wealth, not not really. And, and I mean, and that's an important part of it, too, is just, you know, because so many people don't get just that basic lesson or that model of, hey, just live on less than you make. Mm-hmm. Right. Just right. save a little bit. And so it's good that you're right. It is good that you got that lesson as well. But somewhere along the journey, you found yourself in $19,000 worth of debt. So can you talk a little bit about how that happened? Um, So everyone tells you, you go to college so you can get a good job. Um, Right. Had no idea about college saving plans. It's just student loans were going to be the case. And uh, my freshman year, um, I was debating uh, between going to a private school and a public school. Should have gone to private, should have lived at home. But um, I went to a private school my first year for sports, and uh, it was a D3 school. So if you know anything about D3 private schools, they don't give athletic scholarships, only academic. And so even with my academic scholarship, it still didn't cover all of my tuition. So I got majority of my student loans my first year of college. Um, then when I saw that, I was like, man, this, this can't be, if this builds up over three more years, this could potentially be almost a hundred thousand dollars. And I've heard stories about people who had incidents that might've happened and graduating with student loan debt that they couldn't repay because their first salary, their first few years out of college wasn't what they expected. And, um, so I was like, I don't want to be in that category of people who can't afford to pay off their student loans quickly. Um, and so I, I, I switched schools. I went to an, a public school my sophomore year, and I still took out some student loans. Um, but I was able to cash flow some of that year. And then I made a, 
a pact with myself that I was going to cash flow the rest of college, no matter how many hours I had to work. I said, it, it's something that I can do. I mapped it out, I created the budget. And my godmother, um, she actually put me in a class um, with Dave Ramsey. <laughs> and she wow. said, hey, like, you know, she showed me the investment calculator. So that's pretty much what I wanted when I saw that I could become a millionaire by only contributing $8,000. If I started at 19, that, that kind of was like, all right, yeah, maybe I do. But um, so that's kind of what what my debt was. It was only student loans. I, I was fortunate enough to avoid all the other consumer debt, uh, but I did rack up that $19,000 my first two years of school. So I want to ask you, because a lot of people go to college and you know, yes, you're there to get an education, but there's also this social aspect, like this this social component of college. But you said that you spent a lot of time working to to pay that off. So can you talk about just how that uh, decision impacted your social life w- during those school years? So I was a part of two clubs. Um, so I still had some what of a social life um, as far as, I guess, a lot of, you know, that's the years that a lot of people wowed out. I, I did not, <laughs> didn't have that kind of time and I was just too tired. Um, I had a very unique schedule. And so I planned my work schedule around my classes. So I took all of my classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays so that I could work full days on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday and potentially the mm-hmm. weekend. Um, and so that's how I was able to, um, after, you know, creating the, the, the spending plan that I created, I, I knew how many hours I had to work. I knew how much I had to make per hour to do that. And I had multiple jobs to, <laughs> to help me with that. So, um, that's kind of what it was. I, I didn't, it didn't seem like I had a social life, but I was able to be a part of the clubs, um, with the leadership role. So, I mean, I, definitely did not I would not go back I, I put it that oh. way I wouldn't do it again but that's the only way I knew how to get through it right right okay and so I mean at that time like you mentioned that you had this realization that you had all the debt that you had was that something you were were aware of like as you're taking out the student loans like you've kind of got this running tally or was there an event that happened like something you know, that really woke you up to the fact that you did have that debt hanging over your head? Uh, Yeah. So I went to Ohio State in Columbus, Ohio. And one of my friends, she was a couple of years older than I was. And she told me how much student loan debt she had. And I said, wow. And you went here all four years and you, you know, she had, you know, a little over $80,000. And I said, well, I don't want that to be me. And, um, you know, not hopefully, you know, not offending, but I just I couldn't see myself having that much. I I said, I'm already getting I'm inching up to 20,000. And if I continue, I will get there um, if I just take out the food because, you know, they give you more than what you need. And mm-hmm. a lot of people, they spend that, that money um, on vacations or extra things, down payments for cars and. I said I, I didn't want it. So anytime I got a refund, I would always give all of it back, um, no matter how much it was. And so when I found out that living off campus 
saved me over eleven thousand dollars. That's pretty because it, it's expensive to live on campus. It's us right. almost equivalent to the tuition, and at least for for most public schools, that is. And I'm, I was like, I can live off campus and make my rent, get a few roommates, and cut the cost by so much more. And so that's really what did it. Um, having those conversations with people, and you know, hearing about the the wealth gap. Um, I was a political economy major and mm. some of our classes, you know, we talked about the racial wealth gap and seeing how much longer it takes, especially black women to pay off their student loans compared to everyone else. And so I, I was like, you know, this, I, I need to find a way. I didn't know how I was going to do it then. Uh, but that's why I started working like crazy back in college. Okay. So let's move forward to, to the graduation, right? You graduate college. Now you've got this $19,000 debt. Like, was that the moment where you were like, all right, it's time to lock in. Let's get this gone. Or was it at a later time when you decided to start taking the steps to really eliminate the debt that you had? Yeah. When I graduated, my main focus was getting a certain salary. My first salary was about $40,000. So it wasn't a lot at all. But that was the limit that I, I needed to to accept the role. That was what I wanted to be able to pay off my student loans in a couple of years. I, I gave myself two to five years to pay off my student loans. And then I met with, again, my, my godmother. She she has a financial advisor and she took me with, with her to meet with him. And he recommended I go to another place. Uh, and so I went to another place without anyone else. And I told them, I said, hey, you know, I want to start investing. and um, my fine, uh, the financial consultant that I met with, he said, no, <laughs> you're not ready to start investing because I had a private loan with, mm. um, an adjustable interest rate. And he said, when you pay this off, then you can start investing. And, you know, I didn't get it at first. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean that, that interest rate was crazy. It was like a credit card. And with a higher balance than most people probably would have on their credit cards. And so I said, all right, well, I'm going to pay it off. And I paid that off. Plus, I was going to go to school um, where I would not be able to work. So he said, you also need to save up for an emergency fund just in case something happens while you're in school. And so he said it wouldn't be wise for you to invest money that you could lose. You know, and so that's why that's the real reason why I wanted to pay off my student loans as, as soon as possible. And. Um, that's when I started really, really contributing as much as my income as I could. So what did you, I mean, what did you have to do in those early days? Like, one, okay, so once that conversation happens, you come home, what were the next steps for you? Um, well, it was my first time really budgeting as much money as I was because in college, I didn't make anything close to that. <laughs> and <laughs> so I said, you know, I'm going to put probably 90% of my income to, I lived at home. So 90% of my income to my student loans. And then that left me with nothing. So um, I wasn't even able to go out to eat with my friends, even to get a $10 meal. So I, I had to fix it. So I got wow. a side hustle to be able to pay for. So I wouldn't be depriving myself, you know? Right. And um, once I paid off, also once I paid off my private student loan, that's when I started contributing to my 401k. And, um, so I could get the match. So that's kind of what my life was crazy at first. I didn't have a balance. I didn't. And and that's what I want people to understand too, is that you do need a balance because it's not good to sit at home 
you know, every weekend depriving yourself just to pay off debt. And I know like some people teach that you need to pay it off. You know, you're stupid if you have debt. And, but, you know, I said, I want this out of the way, but not at the point where I drive myself crazy. And so, um, I cut back just a little bit, but I was able to create a plan where I could put at least 40% of my income toward um, my student loans. So when I interview a lot of people on the show, they say, oh, I had my job and then I got my side hustle and I used all of my side hustle money to pay off debt. And then I like lived on the other. You flipped it. You used your salary for debt and then you used your side hustle to like live on. Is that, was that right? Yeah. Mm hmm. Okay. And so like, again, I kind of got to go back to the, to the social aspect because you are, like you said, you're like in those early days, you're passing up dinners with friends and all this. And so what was it that made you realize like, you know, yeah, I've got to do it differently. I've got to have more balance. So what, like, was there like one event that you missed that you just regretted or kind of what happened that made you come to that realization? One of uh, my best friends was graduating. And she wanted to, she graduated uh, about a year and a half after I did, but um, it was a pretty big deal. You know, she was the first to graduate in her family. So I wanted to be a part of her trip. So she wanted to go on a trip uh, to celebrate her graduation. And I said, I would not be able to afford to save up because I knew when she was graduating. So I had at least a year to plan for it. And so I said, I want to be able to go because it's a, it's a big deal. And, um, and I said, I wouldn't be able to do that on my current budget. Um, I didn't really mind missing the dinners, but I did want to, cause I, I've moved away and all my friends were here in the city in Cincinnati. I live in Cincinnati, Ohio. And so I, I said, I missed you all when I was gone. And I, I want to set aside at least one time per month to be able to be with you all, no matter if it's just getting coffee or getting something at Wendy's or whatever. And I, I couldn't do that because I was literally putting all of my money. Um, I, I, I was given to my church as well. So it's like, I didn't have anything. Um, and so uh, that's, that's really what did it for me is that I still wanted to enjoy my life, but I didn't want to enjoy it to the point where I wasn't meeting my goals. So that's what made me get a side hustle to at least cover my fun. Right. So can you talk about just the the shift that that had on your journey, right? Because again, like you said, you you know, you're sent, you go from I'm sending all my money to debt and I'm making this great progress, but at the same time I feel deprived. I'm not seeing my friends, I'm not doing all these things. So you make that switch and like what was the impact of that on your journey? Like was it noticeable? Did it push your date out way out or was it just kind of a minimal impact to, you know, the velocity at which you were able to pay off your debt? Um, yes, yeah, so I pushed it back maybe two months. I paid off my, my loans in, in about a year and a month, 13 months. And so what what difference would it make if I paid it off um, 15 months? That's what I said to myself. It's like, as long as I get to be here for my friends um, to the point where I'm still not, I'm putting my goals first, but I work hard and then I played. So I didn't play and then work. I love that. I love that. So the next question I have for you, I just want to know, like, did you have outside of that, like just having that shift in the middle of your journey, did you have any challenges or or things that popped up on your journey? Um, I was pretty fortunate not to have any huge events happen. Um, I did buy a car during that time. Um, so 
that's probably the the most expensive thing that happened during my journey was buying a car. I did have some car issues uh, with the car I had prior to purchasing my new car, uh, but I was able to pay cash for it with a little assistance. Like I said, I'm blessed. Um, my father did help me get that car, but I was able to pay at least half of it uh, because of the discipline of being able to budget and save and not try to get the next best thing to, to show off to anybody. Gotcha. So another thing I want to talk about, because you've touched on it a couple of times now, is the decision to move home with your parents, mm-hmm. right? Like I know when I was, you know, 21, 22 ish, that was the last thing I wanted to do. And I'm sure for anybody that's in that demographic listening, like, you know, maybe they have that thought of like, all right, this may be the best move, but I don't really want to do it. Like, I don't want to want to go back home. So how did you come to make that decision? Um, Like, I, I know for some people it might not be as peaceful. Um, it, it, it was just me my whole life. So it wasn't really much of a difference. Um, I will say that at first it was a pride issue. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it's like, oh, you moving back home with your parents, you must be broke, you know. And um, that's what I was thinking other people would think about me. But then when I realized, OK, um, other cultures do it and they're able to do it until they, you know, they get married, some of them. And so, I mean, it when I saw that, you know, my balance was decreasing and um, when I started investing, that also started increasing how I would not have been able to do that if I was paying over a thousand dollars a month in bills versus, you know, three to four hundred dollars a month in bills. So, I mean, it it really changed once I also started really connecting with other people on social media, seeing like a lot of people did this. And then um, especially if they had even higher balances of debt than I had. Um, and I said, you know, I don't have a partner. I don't I don't have a spouse to help. Um my parents were my, my accountability partners. And, um, you know, it, it might be frowned upon still. I I don't know, but I don't care. I really didn't care after a certain point. I'm like, this is my life and I'm trying to do what's best for my specific situation. And I would never judge someone who's really grinding to get to the next level. Um, because it really is hard to do everything by yourself. You do need somebody. And I, I didn't want to struggle while trying to meet my goals um, just to, you know, uh, appease every other person who don't, you know, they don't pay my bills. They're, you know, their opinions don't pay bills. So. Right. Right. So, and, and something you touched on at the beginning of that response was like, you know, not everybody has that opportunity for, for various reasons. It could be a number of reasons, but like in your situations where your parents like all the way on board with this from the beginning to the end, or was this something you guys really had to talk about? And if so, how did those conversations come about and how did they progress? Um, no, it wasn't an, an issue. The only thing is, is they didn't understand my journey at first um, because mm. you, know, you you just graduated, you know, have enjoy some of your money. That, that was kind of what the initial conversations were. Like, you don't have to do all this. You know, you'll be fine. Everybody has student loans. Right. And, um, that's pretty much what the conversations were. Um, as long as I was being responsible and not, you know, acting crazy or, you know, disrespecting our home, um, they didn't really care about me moving back in um, because they, they saw the the further goals. And I, I actually think that it's 
also inspire them to become debt free as well. I love that. I love that. So you got like a generational effect, but like you being the example of of modeling good financial behavior. That's awesome. I, I mean, I really love to hear that. So you go through this journey, you make these changes, you you move home, and then you finally pay off your debt. Can you tell how long did it take you again? Yeah, 13 months. 13 months. Okay. So, you know, when you paid off that debt, like what was that moment like when you finally hit submit on that last payment? Because Again, you, you moved home. You said no to your friends a lot. Like you, you, you sacrificed a lot of things. You worked through college to keep the debt down. So after all that work, what was that moment like once you hit submit on that last payment? I mean, it, it felt great because after that, I shifted um, whatever was going to my student loans to my investments. And so when I that was probably the best feeling in the world to see like, wow, like all this money is mine. I don't owe anybody anything. I don't have to worry about if I'm not working because I, as I said before, um, I didn't work. Uh, actually, I didn't work for about 10 months. And so mm-hmm. if I, if I did, um, I know while you're in school, uh, your, your loans are still accruing, but you don't have to pay. I know they are was deferred, uh, but I didn't have to worry about my balances accruing. And especially with that, adjustable interest rate that I had for one of my loans. I didn't have to worry about that because I did check. Uh, I check it just, just to see what the interest rate would have been. And it would have been 13% right now. So, I mean, it, it does feel great to, to know that I don't have those obligations and that my money is mine. Did you do anything to celebrate? Not really. <laughs> no. Oh man. I was, I was hoping you did something big. Cause like with, with me and my wife, we paid off ours. We went on like this seven day cruise and I've told the story before, but like that's that's actually what kickstarted our my foray into personal finance mm-hmm. is because when we came home, all my friends were like, "How did y'all pay off y'all's debt so fast?" And so then I started like learning about coaching and all this, and now I'm podcasting and like so that's really what like our celebration is what kicked off our journey. Uh, but I I want to go forward because you mentioned that your next goal was investing. So once you got to that point, like what was what was uh what was your investing strategy like? Like did you have to learn a lot? Or you know, you had mentioned the advisor earlier. Did you choose to go the advisor route? Like what kind of what was your uh your goal with that? Yeah, so uh that's also interesting. You know, you said your your kickstart to your, you know, interest in personal finance. Um right now I'm I'm a licensed stockbroker. So that that kind of it completely shifted into that and learning about investments and really got me involved in learning how to build wealth and how to help people um, learn and educate them. Um, Although there are a lot of industry rules, I'm not allowed to do a lot of things that I used to do. But it did help me completely shift gears in what I wanted to do. So prior to a couple of years ago, I didn't People told me, like, you, you might want to go to route of financial advising and blah, blah, blah. I said, nah, because I don't like everything that they do. But uh, I, I was going to school to be an attorney. So I, I did one year of law school. And that's why I wasn't able to work. But that whole time during law school, I was financial doing financial coaching for people at my church, people um, that I didn't even know uh, because of, you know, the power of social media. Um, and so, I mean, it. I said, you know, I, I think that is something that I do want to do full time. And so, um, but I didn't want to be a financial advisor exactly. And so I started applying in to different roles and I got a, a great opportunity to be able to 
actually be licensed enough to learn about because there's there's a lot that still that I don't know. But um, I was able to, like I said, get great, get a great opportunity and um, kind of jump started my career in in finance. So all of that led to this. Right. Right. So, OK, so since you've become debt free. Like what have you done to continue building wealth and, and growing your net worth since that point? Because as you know, I mean, life doesn't end to begin with debt freedom. Like there's more to right. it. You gotta save an emergency fund, you gotta invest. So, like, what has post-debt freedom like life looked for you? Of course, COVID kind of slowed things down this year. I did plan on going on quite a few trips. <laughs> but, <laughs> here. Uh, but last year I was able to go to the Virgin Islands. I'm not quite outside of the country, but that's a very expensive trip. And I was able to do that without worrying. I definitely, I was able to build up um, an eight month emergency fund right away. Now I'm able to contribute to it every month, but right after I paid off my debt, I was able to, you know, jumpstart on that. Um, And so um, I did uh, now, I believe I have a little over a year of an emergency fund, especially because of COVID. Uh, But I'm able to invest, um, over 30% of my income easily without worrying and still have some money saved up for whatever I want to do. I have like my, my fun money. Yeah. Um, I'm able to travel whenever that happens <laughs> again. Um, Cause I'm not going anywhere uh, for, for a long time, but uh, next year, hopefully, you know, I can really start to um, experience different things. I actually want, I've never been outside of the country. I plan on doing that next year. Um, I mean, it, it definitely is like, like I said earlier, there does need to be a balance. Um, you know, I'm saving 50% of my income. So I think that I can enjoy the rest, you know, the other 50%. Right. So, okay. So I know debt freedom obviously was a goal for you. What goals are you looking forward to hitting now financially? Like, do you have like an early retirement goal or are you saving for something super special? Like what financial goals are you working towards now? I don't really want to retire early. I can see myself doing what I do for the rest of my career. I do want the option to mm-hmm. be able to leave my job just in case, you know, um, especially when I, st- I don't have any children. So when I start having children, I, I might want to take some time off to be with them. It, it, it's kind of fluctuating, but I do have a goal to, to re- uh, be financially free by 40 where I don't have to work. So I have mm-hmm. about 15 years until, till then. And then um, I do have a goal. This is like, this is my stretch goal. I want to be able to buy house cash. And so I don't know if that's going to happen, but if not, you know, if not a hundred percent down, I do want to put at least 50% down. I love that. That was a goal that we had as well uh, to, to buy our house cash. We didn't end up doing it uh, because we just found a, just a fantastic opportunity. And it was like, <laughs> Nah, let's just jump on it. <laughs> so um, I do wish you well on that part of your journey and on also on your, your financial freedom goal as well. Um, but the last thing I want to ask, I want to pose a hypothetical question for you. So like, you know, let's say there's somebody listening to this right now that really wants to start addressing their debt, uh, but for whatever reason they feel stuck or they don't know where to start. What would you say to that person to to give them some hope, to inspire them and and really uh, some kind of strategy to help them move forward? Yeah. So I think that, you know, you need to connect with people who have done it and then connect with people who are doing it, um, because if you don't, you will drive yourself crazy. 
And there are a whole bunch of people out there who will tell you the truth about how mm-hmm. hard it is to be disciplined for so long and not to really, um, you know, look at everybody else's journey as a comparison, but as motivation. Um, it's like, OK, that's good. That worked for them, but it might not work for me. And I think that's kind of where social media can be good and bad because, you know, you only see the good parts of people's journeys. Um, and sometimes you don't even see any of it because people lie. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so, I mean, it, it's, it's definitely like personal finance is personal. And I think that's what people fail to realize too. So anytime you feel demotivated, you know, reach out to somebody who you know um, had their ups and downs in the journey and, and understand that, you know, there's no one way to do it. And, you know, there's a lot of financial people out here, you know, people telling you, you know, you, you need to pay off your debt in two years. That might not be possible for you. So, you know, it's like, so, you know, you, you might, and this is what I'll say too, is, you know, like you get your emergency fund set in stone first, a thousand dollars is not enough, you know? So, I mean, you, you know, you hear a bunch of different things for different people and, but if a thousand dollars is all you have to start and you want to start, you know, do it. So, I mean, it, it just, what feels comfortable to you and, and, and to realize that, you know, there's some people out there who have nothing but motivation for financial gain for themselves they may not be the best option for you. And so, I mean, it it doesn't mean that they're wrong. It just may not be right for you. And so just to stay motivated, have accountability partners, those are so important. Get around like-minded people and get on board with what works for your specific household. I love it. I love it. And looking back on your journey, what would you say are like maybe the top two or three things that you did to help you go from $19,000 in debt to where you are today? Well, I created another Instagram page where um, I was only following people who seemed to be doing the right things with their money. That really, really helped me. Um, I kind of lessened my social media time because like I said, social media can be a good thing and a bad thing. I actually respected the budget that I created you know, you got to respect it and you got to, to to understand, like, is this really something that I can do? And then I told other people that I trusted. And um, that's what really helped me um, was, you know, letting people know, because once you announce it, it becomes more real. And, you know, I told people that I'm going to be debt free next year. And this is when um, the year before I became debt free. And, you know, you'll have your naysayers and then you'll have your supporters. And so, I mean, um, that, that those are really big things that I did. But I also, you know, that side hustle, that that that's really what pushed me over and got me through it is that I knew it was just temporary. And actually now I still do that. So, I mean, um, it's something that I really enjoy. I actually I, I work with children um, part time a few nights and I get to choose my own schedule. Um, of course, with everything that's going on, I haven't been doing that, but that that's something that I enjoy to do. So, you know, get a side hustle that you enjoy and it might turn into another stream permanently. Love it. Love it. Well, Hey, the last thing I want to do, since I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed this interview so much. Uh, I want to give you the opportunity to let people know where they can find you. If they want to follow along as you share tips and tools and strategies and your own journey towards financial wellness, uh, what's the best place for people to find and connect with you? Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm on Instagram as impact underscore financial. Um, I just post things as, as I said, um, because of my career shift, I'm not able to do what I used to. Um, but I do 
uh, work with individuals of no charge if they want to see how I did my specific plan and I'll show them how I did it. Um, so impact underscore financial on Instagram, or you can follow me personally, um, Ashley underscore Brewster. Um, that's my personal page. Um, so, I mean, any, any way to connect with me that those are the best. Awesome. And Ashley, thank you so much for coming on the winning to wealth podcast and sharing your journey out of $19,000 worth of debt in only 13 months. Like I said earlier in the episode, your story really demonstrates the value in getting comfortable making uncomfortable choices, which is this week's win of the week. So maybe you can't move home with your parents, or maybe you can't take on a side hustle right now because, I mean, obviously we're living in a pandemic and, you know, you could have some other valid reason why you couldn't. But there is one thing you can do. Or, or maybe I should say there is one thing you need to do to really make some progress towards your goals. And chances are, you know what that one thing is already. As you hear me saying this, there's probably something that came to mind just as I said that. I don't want you to let anything hold you back this week. Ask your manager for that raise. Apply for that job that you aren't 100% qualified for on paper, but that you know you can do. Get on a spending plan and cut back on some of the excess, even if you know your friends or your family are going to question you. Whatever that one thing is, just do it. In the same way that my most difficult choice turned into one of my best choices, your greatest win in life could be waiting on you to just get a little uncomfortable. So this week, take the leap. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd appreciate it if you would just let me know. You can find me on every social media channel as Winning to Wealth, and I'd love to connect with you and help you out in any way that I can. So look me up, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Pinterest, everywhere, Winning to Wealth. Also, if you've already made some uncomfortable choices and you're moving forward with paying off debt, or maybe you opened up that brokerage account and you started investing, or whatever else you did, I want to help you stay motivated. I recently released some charts on the Winning to Wealth website that allow you to visually track your progress towards whatever goals you're working towards. Whether you're saving up to buy a car with cash, whether you're paying off student loans like Ashley, or maybe you took on a side hustle. Tracking your progress with these charts is a great way to stay locked in and really focused on your goals. You can check those out by heading over to winningtowealth.com slash shop. That is winningtowealth.com slash shop. But hey, that's all the time I have for this week. So until we talk again, keep racking up those wins one at a time. Take care. You've wrapped up another episode of the Winning to Wealth podcast. To learn more about how you can start making winning money decisions, head over to winningtowealth.com. 